Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. I'm Dr. Jody Mullen and this is a podcast about helping parents and other people who are connected to children help children be their best. Uh, I've been a counselor and play therapist for almost 30 years and a mom for just over 20 and I'm going to be blending my knowledge and experiences um, as a parent and as a child mental health professional here in giving you some ideas about lessons you can learn that I have learned also about children, parenting, and cultivating relationships with children. These lessons have informed my parenting, and I believe why, as one of my friends put it, have freakishly well-behaved kids. P.S. They are freakishly well-behaved, except when they are not, of course. Um, Today, I get to talk about my favorite subject, uh, which is play therapy. But in this podcast in general, we get at some of the basic and fundamental principles that I've learned from my child clients in play therapy that promote wellness and therefore how they behave. These principles make parenting and parenting less stressful and more joyful. I've whittled down a couple of these basic principles to share them with you as well as other lessons I've learned or I'm in the process of learning So you too can benefit and enhance the relationships you have with children and your parenting esteem. For more on parenting and children, check out my book, Raising Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. That was inspired by thousands of children and the conversations and consultations with parents I have had. You can also find additional resources for parents and professionals on my clinical website, which is just www.integrativecounseling, that's one word, .us. Or hang out with me on social media, on Facebook and at Integrative Counseling or on Instagram at Dr. Jody Mully. Um, just a, one more thing. When I share stories related to my cl- clinical work, I make every effort to disguise any identifying information. And so any likeness would just be a coincidence. Today, Faye is going to cultivate a conversation. She joins me again, I'm so lucky, using your questions about play therapy. So let's have at it. Faye, what kind of questions do you have about my favorite subject in the world, play therapy? Sure. Yeah, well, thank you uh, for having me on again. Um, And I figured we could start with the most obvious one. Uh, What is play therapy? If you could just give us like a brief definition. Uh, If I could do any of this briefly, that will be the most impressive part. So let me talk a little bit about what (laughs) therapy is from like almost from like a parental point of view, uh, because I think that's where we get a little bit tangled up in. It's very intuitive. It makes a whole lot of sense. But I think the way that we think about therapy kind of gets in our way. So let me see if I can make this work. (laughs) So what um, you have to believe is something that's an actual fact, which is that play is a way that children, mammals, 
communicate. It's not just children, humans, but children, mammals communicate. And so in play therapy, what we do is we add in the language of play to the therapeutic milieu. So what I mean by that is that in all of therapy, um, verbalization is appropriate. So you can talk in therapy. You can make facial expressions in play therapy. You can use your body language in therapy, tone of voice. All of these things are things that typical therapists, whether working with children or adults, take into consideration. In play therapy, we also add in the language of play, and therefore, a therapeutic playroom um, demonstrates that. So therapeutic playrooms have toys and other kinds of things that kids could use in a playful way so that they can communicate um, to us and with us through their play. I'll say one more thing. (laughs) is that if you have a kid and you've ever watched them play, you know that they're playing out their lives. And so that's what we get to see in in play therapy. Make sense? Yes, definitely. And I think you also basically just answered my second question, uh, which is why would someone want to have kids in play therapy rather than regular talk therapy? Um, And I'm kind of assuming it's because, like you said, I mean, feel free to elaborate, but I feel like it's, it's all those reasons you just gave us that mammals in general are expressing themselves through play. (laughs) Well, that, but the other thing is, is that um, in play therapy, in addition to that, in play therapy, like just when the child walks into a therapeutic playroom versus like my office that I use with adolescents and adults, it's much more child-centric, right? So it looks like a place where a kid should be. Um, Kids aren't super impressed by like the degrees I have (laughs) accumulated over the years, like hanging on my wall or um, the chairs are the correct size for children. So it's developmentally an appropriate space for kids too, which I think um, like takes away some of one, the stigma around therapy that children learn from a very young age, but it also makes it super child-friendly and inviting to children. So I think that's another reason. Um, I also think that, um, and again, this is supported in the research literature, is that there are so many things, and we as adults know this, that we can't put into words. There's even way more um, of experiences like that for children, especially young children. So this gives them an opportunity to not only communicate verbally, but also to communicate through metaphor and symbolism that comes with play. And then I just thought of another good reason, say, as I'm, as I'm like talking about this. And I, I will absolutely get lost in this conversation because of it is so important to me. And, you know, obviously I have energy to it. But the other thing I was thinking, too, um, and this comes from my own experience as a kid who was in speech therapy until I was in fifth grade and I was um, – had what would today be called selective mutism, but um, at the time was called, I was just really, really shy, was that um, for kids who, for whatever reason, won't or don't 
speak verbally, it's an alternative for them as well because there's no pressure on them to have to, as we typically say in dominant United States culture, use your words. So children don't have to speak at all in play therapy, but certainly um, they can. It's not like that's frowned upon. Right. You don't have to. So there's like this off the hook where adults are always trying to or typically trying to get children to use their words and to to talk and to say things that it that whole power play is taken out of the equation in play therapy. Yeah. Um, and other than not, you know, removing the pressure of kids to verbalize, what do you think the other big benefits of play therapy are for kids? Um, well, I think it doesn't, <laughs> like on the surface, it does. It looks a little bit fun. Um, I will assure you <laughs> that um, children in play therapy are working hard. It's not just um, that they may do some things that um, bring some silliness in or allow their creativity to show. But I think like that, um, all of those pieces of it are additions to that. And children really do learn through play. So how we learned language even comes through play and inter and interactions related to that. So I think all of that kind of builds um, in, in the context of play therapy. Awesome. Um, and would you say that play therapy is for any kind of child or is it just someone that's been through some sort of major trauma? Okay, that's a really good question. So the typical ages where we see play therapy being the right clinical choice, right, the right kind of therapy, so to speak, for children would be between the ages, safely, you can say between 2 and 12. So at the, at the low end of that, first of all, um, and I know this is hard for people to hear, um, there are two-year-olds that need therapy, and it is mostly because of what you just said, Faye. It's mostly because they've been through some traumatic experience, anything from neglect and maltreatment and abuse to um, being in a, a car accident or having a tragic death loss in their family. Um, anything like that um, could be a reason a two-year-old would need um, therapeutic services. Actually, the youngest child I ever worked with in play therapy or in therapy in general was a year and a half. So I worked with an 18-month-old once. And really for children, I would say under the age of four, even children who are super sophisticated in their expressive language and can totally hold a conversation with you, I still think that play therapy is really um, has to be your primary choice in what you should ask for for your kids or what as a professional you're doing for children that young, like preschool age and toddlerhood. Um, when you hit the other age end of the spectrum, that 12-year-old age, mostly you can work with um, children where you're informed by play therapy um, and have some play therapy as part of it up until 12. Sometimes I see some of the um, cis female, the girls that around age 10 start to be ready for a more traditional kind of therapy, but that doesn't mean that we still don't include some play activities or um, expressive art interventions, other ways that they can express themselves 
besides verbalizing. And then I would say the other thing is I work with people, I guess like my oldest person right now that I'm working with is almost 70. And um, I infuse play in all of those relationships because it is symbolic and a, and a metaphor and a way to get at some of the things that we wouldn't typically say or we don't have words for. Okay, but there was another part of your question. So I took that in one direction about age, <laughs> but I want to take it in another direction too, and that's about like what's going on with the person. So play therapy is actually an evidence-based approach to use with the children who have been traumatized. So certainly trauma. And an evidence-based approach is just a standard in the industry. That means it's been proven through research to work with um, a certain group of people or um, a certain population or a certain condition. So play therapy is an evidence-based approach to use with children who have been traumatized, but also many other things. So some of the conditions that um, children are typically labeled with, like attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, um, autism spectrum disorder, all of those like diagnostic labels, a child who presents with them would be appropriate for play therapy. The one place where I really see it not being uh, appropriate is if a child is showing um, some symptoms of psychosis. That's the only um, place that I really see it not being appropriate for. And also I would add in that um, play therapy works really, really well <laughs> with children who um, have an intellectual disability, a speech delay, or are challenged that way, or, um, or have um, a, a diagnosis that, or the symptoms that look like something like selective mutism. Wow, that's, that's really interesting that there's such a wide range. I don't yeah. think I would have expected uh, a year and a half or two-year-old to be in play ther therapy, yeah. but that's really incredible. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely surprising, but I also think like the other part of it is, um, and sometimes I say this is, and I think this is part of the benefit of the podcast is, is if you don't work in this industry or in like a child protective industry or, you know, that kind of thing is like sometimes you're off the hook in just because of your own experiences in knowing that there are plenty of under four-year-olds um, that show up for um, needing therapeutic services. So, yeah, it's not something that I like to talk about very much because I know it makes right. people uncomfortable, but that's the truth of it is, yes. Right. So if we switch this in the other direction, um, once someone yeah. has their child in play therapy, how are they going to know that it's starting to work or it is working? Oh, okay, great. That's such a great question. Okay, so first of all, you need to give it time. And so I don't measure that in sessions. Sometimes parents will say to me, like, how many sessions do you think they're going to need? And I can tell you just based on the research that most people, regardless of age, regardless of um, if it's play therapy or another kind of therapy, it takes about 20 sessions to see change that is like lasting, that will stick, so to speak. So what you really can expect 
expect in working with children is that um, that because 20 sessions is typically defined as um, a clinical hour or just about an hour, a 50-minute session, that it might take children even longer than that. And so what I like to say to parents is instead of measuring in sessions, which when I'm working with children, I would say up until about 10, it's usually a half-hour session, is that um, we measure in time. So if a child has had um, 10, 30-minute sessions, right, is like that, that is still only five hours of therapy. And so, um, so to put it in that perspective, I think allows all of us parents and clinicians alike to be much more patient with the process because seeing real change in five hours of time is, is um, <laughs> very ambitious, I should say. So there's, there is that. Um, the other thing is, uh, in terms of looking for, well, is this really working, um, you're not looking for, like, uh, my child was lying, and now they're not lying, You're like, because that's an extreme. You're looking for, like, little increments of change, like you would if they were learning an instrument or if they were learning um, to play a particular sport or something. You're looking for, like, little increments. And so one of the ways that I define that to parents is I look as the clinician and the play therapist for first. By that, I mean I'm looking for it's the first time the child smiled. It's the first time the child made eye contact with me. It's the first time the child um, let me win the game. <laughs> it's the first time they tried out the Right. Art. So it's like little milestone type thing. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things that, um, that I do and I work really hard um, with the people, the other play therapists that I provide um, supervision and consultation with and teach to become play therapists is looking for the pro-social. So by that, I mean, like, that's the first time the kids showed a sense of humor, the first time they used their manners, the first time um, they, let's see, what um, demonstrated empathy. And then when, when we're seeing those things happen in session, going back to parents and say, look, at these are some of the things that we're seeing that are pro-social in session. Can you keep an eye out for them? And so that we're shifting the parents' gaze to look for some of those things. So the child still may be lying, but, but they also are now using their manners. They also now aren't throwing a temper tantrum when they get upset. So just being able to um, give a couple of different ways to look for change, healing, and growth. Right. And you saying that you would have parents look out for those milestones um, mm -hmm. actually leads me to my next question, which is, uh, this is actually a parent question. Someone was wondering if you would be able to tell them what's going on in their child's session. Ah, okay, so that's a great question, and that is somewhat going to be up to the play therapist and, like, if they think that that would um, help the child in their healing or hinder the child in their heal healing. So for me, I will say that um, for the most part is I don't share specifics. 
So by that, I mean, like, I may tell the parent, like, your child is working really hard at um, problem solving, at um, negotiating relationships, things like that. But I wouldn't say, like, in this session, your child pretended to, um, you know, to force me, (laughs) they pretended to force me to drink a hot cup of coffee, even though it was scalding hot. Like, I wouldn't say, you know, something like that, um, unless I felt like it would allow the parent to understand something a little bit better. So in general, I speak in like themes, um, like the themes that your child or children are working on, um, and then how that can be helpful to the parent. Um, the other thing that I will sometimes share with parents, like the, their child's point of view. So sometimes, like, this, I think this is a good example. Sometimes children's play will look aggressive, right? But what they're really doing when they're acting traditionally what we would see as aggressively is they're really showing us that they're protective play. So one of the lenses that I look through is when a child is showing something that looks like aggression, like they're waving the foam noodle around and they're saying like, I'll fight you, I'll fight you. Is is that aggression or is that protection? And that shift from that child is trying to hurt someone um, or me, to that child is trying to protect themselves really can be a helpful way for parents to understand how their child is interacting out there in the world. It actually can be a really helpful thing for some, for also play therapists to understand because I think we jump to aggression um, before looking at it through a lens of could this be protection or could it be both, right? It could be both. So, um, right. I, does that does that answer that question from your perspective? I guess I know you're yeah definitely somebody else's question, but yeah, yes, definitely. And actually, the same person asked another question that kind of follows oh. that one really well. Um, so I know you okay. were just talking about aggression, and mm-hmm. this person was also wondering: Are there any rules for their child in the playroom? Like, are there things that they can oh. and can't do? Um, what kind of boundaries do you set as a play therapist? That sort of thing. Oh, okay. Well, there's a lot. So um, the kind of play therapy that I do, I should um, talk about this first, is primarily um, falls under a rubric of what's called child-centered play therapy or non-directive play therapy or humanistic play therapy. Those are all um, forms of a very similar kind of play therapy. So regardless of uh, what kind of play therapy, if I was doing play therapist led play therapy, there still would be limits and boundaries in all kinds, there still are, in all kinds of play therapy. So none of it is a free-for-all, although the non-directive, child-centered, humanistic play therapy looks a little bit more from the outside, looks a little bit more flexible, and maybe even unruly because the child leads the way. That being said, the basics of this cannot happen in therapy, in play therapy, is the child cannot hurt themselves. They cannot hurt me as a therapist. And I would say those two things are true even when I'm working with adolescents and adults. Nobody can, in that therapeutic space, hurt themselves or hurt me. 
And then, then, and the third is also true, regardless if I'm doing clay therapy or not. Uh, and that is, um, you can't do damage to the room. So you can't dump out the crayons and stomp all over them. You can't um, throw something at the lights or the window or the wall or the wall. So everything has to, all that integrity and safety is kept um, throughout the session. And what happens is if a child pushes one of those limits, right, and, and it becomes unsafe or the, for me, for the child or for the room is that then we set a limit and give them an opportunity to do something pro-social. So let me give you an example. So if a child was about to throw um, a toy at the window, I would tell them they can't do that because it would make the room unsafe, but they can throw it down on the floor or they can throw the sponge ball at the window, right? So you, you can't do it with that, but you can do it with this. So you, what you do is you create this opportunity for a child to recognize what they can't do, but also what they can do. So they start to learn without directly teaching them better choices. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I was also wondering, um, so since you were just talking about not being able to, you know, harm themselves, harm you, harm the room, right. is that like a great example of why it's better to have a child come into an office setting rather than a play therapist going to someone's home? Yes, that's a that it is. I mean, there are certain situations where that can't be avoided and, and, and we can work, you know, we can certainly work with them, but when it's their own turf, it's a little bit more challenging, you know, to do that. And, and also like there may be some things that, I, oh, I have a great example. I was doing um, a virtual play therapy session during COVID with a little girl that I had already worked with in the office and whatnot. And in the therapeutic playroom, we have water and kids can play with water. It's, it's like a non-issue. So this little girl um, in her home session, she was using a bunch of pots and pans and things like that from the kitchen. And she went and filled up one with water. Well, she was doing her session in her bedroom and then I guess had spilled the water. And so after the session, the mom was like, she's not allowed to have, you know, water in there again, which I absolutely understand as a parent, but it just means like that there's, you know, it can just be a little bit confusing, especially if a child is, is used to the nature of the playroom where like those aren't typically um, things that we sweat so much in the playroom and we don't have to because it's not our kids and it's not our house and we're only working with them a limited time. But that is one of the reasons why office-based or setting-based um, can, can, be, can be better for both children and the play therapists themselves. Right. Yeah, the limitations would be totally different and I'm sure mm -hmm. that would be confusing to a child to go from one to the other. Um, yeah. Yeah, like how come For I sure. but, and also like how come like one of the things that um, we do in, in child center play therapy is that children can say anything. And so we don't limit the words that they use. Um, we don't get a lot of kids who take us up on using um, swear cuss words, but um, the words like drunk and penis and, you know, words, I, I hate you that they typically can't say. Um, but when, but when a child is doing a home-based session uh, and there's rules about at home, 
you know, stupid is a bad word, but in play therapy it's not, those things can be really confusing. There are strategies for play therapists, um, you know, that I've suggested around that and I teach around that, but it still can be kind of confusing for, for the child. Do you have any confusion uh, in the same respect if kids are allowed to use certain words in the playroom and then they go home um, yeah. and are, you know, not allowed to use those words, do you have a lot of parents that are, uh, have a lot of questions and concerns about that? Yeah. Um, so I've only been doing this 30 years, Faye, and, um, <laughs> and that has been, only 30. Yeah, only 30. And that has been, you know, something that parents have mentioned before. Like if they, can say anything in there with you, they're going to use those words at home. And I am not kidding that 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 has literally never happened. And here's why. (laughs) Because I think kids understand that there are different rules um, when they come to Jody's play therapy room than there are when they are in school, than there are when they are at grandma's. Than there are when they, are, you know, when they are out with mom and dad, when they, then when they are home at, out with mom and dad or mom and mom or, you know, whatever, is that I think that that children really understand that there are different rules in different places. I do tell parents who are worried about that, if that ever happens, let me know. All it is is me just reminding their child that they can say anything in their time with me, but that's the only place where they can say any word. Otherwise, they have to follow the rules of the places they are at. And I think that in and of itself just demonstrates, one, the power of the playroom, but two, also um, should be something that parents um, look at as a strength of their child, that their child can discern, oh, I'm with Jody, but but when I'm in my classroom, I, I don't use all the words that I use with Jody. Right. I know we only have like a minute left, so I just wanted yeah. to see if maybe you could give me a quick summary of what you would say to a parent if they're wondering why they should bring a child to a play therapist when they already play at home. Okay. So the play of play therapy, although may look somewhat like the play at home, is that I am trained to be able to communicate in the language of play as a play therapist. And and it gives enough of a buffer for a child to work out things that they are going on with parents or at home. And I I, I am not affected by them because it's the child about the relationship that I have with them and things that are close to me. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jody. That was perfect. Ah, thank you, Faye. Talk soon. Talk soon. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.